All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mining Matters, a mine safety podcast presented by Fisher Phillips. My name is Chris Peterson, and with me, as always, is my partner, Arthur Wolfson. Arthur, how are you doing today? Doing well, Chris. It's uh, We're starting to find our way towards summertime, which is good, and uh, looking forward to uh, some fun summer activities. Yeah, for sure. I know it's uh, it's warming up here. We had snow. We had a snowstorm last week where we got 12 inches of heavy spring snow that broke some trees, but today is supposed to be about 90 degrees, and yeah, I agree. I think summer's here. School's um, school's out now for the summer, so it's going to be a crazy summer where you try to balance work and <clears throat> some family activities, maybe a little vacation or something, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, All right. Well, today we're going to be talking about <clears throat> advanced notice. So this is basically a, a once popular topic that fallen by the wayside. Until um, a recent Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals decision sort of has resurrected this issue. And is, I think has added an important nuance to the discussion of what advanced notice is or could be. So today we'll talk about basically our experience with advanced notice, you know, what we have understood it to be in the past. You know, we'll cover some, you know, some interesting stories about, you know, our own experiences in dealing with the advanced notice issue. And obviously this is when, you know, several years ago, pre-pandemic, when MSHA was pushing advanced notice of MSHA inspection activity. So this is probably predates the Trump administration. Um, and then we'll discuss, you know, some of our experiences with that agency interpretation, right, of what that advanced notice is or has been, and then give you a legal update about how this Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals decision has affected uh, the agency's interpretation of advanced notice. And then finally, we'll provide some practical considerations for operators that they can use going forward, right? So, for example, MSHA shows up, can you call for a company escort or not? You know, some basic questions. Um, so, Arthur, in your mind, what is advance notice? When we've when we've talked about advance notice before, what has your experience been in terms of not providing advance notice of inspection activity? Well, and that's the that's the million dollar question, right, Chris? Is what is advance notice? And that's what you know operators and MSHA have wrestled with over the years. And, you know, we see another example of it in this Sixth Circuit decision, which is um, uh, involves Ken American Resources versus United States Secretary of Labor, MSHA, um, which came out on May 11th. <clears throat> um, but, you know, the, the legal background is this. If you look at Section 103A of the Mine Act, it talks about what the authorized representatives of the secretary are, you know, are authorized to do, conduct inspections, issue citations, et cetera. And then it says right in the middle, there's an inartfully drafted sentence that says, in carrying out the requirements of this subsection, no advance notice of an inspection shall be provided to any person. That's what it says. Yep. So the question is, what does that mean? And, you know, I think that's taken some some twists and turns over the years. And the question is if, if one, and this is an issue that came up in the Ken American case, which we'll talk about is, does that apply to everybody or is it just apply to, to MSHA or, or, or does it apply to everybody? 
and and two you know what is advance notice does does any mention of MSHA, if you say MSHA, does that constitute advance notice or does it need to be something more? And obviously there's a, a practical impact here because there are reasons why a mine operator might need to convey that MSHA is present. We're, mm -hmm. First and foremost, if, if a visitor is present on your mine site, people need to know that for safety reasons, right? Right. If it's an underground mine, somebody just walking around underground, you know, you need to know that. Um, two, and we'll talk about this in more detail, the Mine Act provides mine operators with the opportunity to have a company escort and the miners to have a miners representative. Well, how do you facilitate that without some form of communication. So, and you know, this this often comes up on on shifts when you know when maybe you don't have the full safety team who's used to dealing with MSHA and calls need to be made and so forth. So, in my experience, you know, that's when this issue has come up. It's 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 not when there's been an intent to cover up violations, which is really what the legal provision was aimed at it's really you you get maybe there's a miscommunication there's a misunderstanding but somebody raises that MSHA is present now does that in fact constitute advance notice um, and that's what we're going to talk about so how, what's your experience been Chris yeah you know I think you're exactly right in describing the issues um, I gave a presentation at a safety conference probably over a decade ago now um, and I think the point was, the takeaway was, you know, everybody wants to know what advance notice is. And it was almost like, well, we can't really tell you what advance notice is. We kind of will know it when we see it, right? It's kind of one of those, yep. um, you know, sort of interpretive rules. Mm -hmm. um, and the case law at the time, I remember, you know, researching it thoroughly mm -hmm. and finding a couple of examples, you know, one, for example, MSHA had showed up and immediately started monitoring the mine phones. Um, there was an inspector in a mine manager's office. The mine managers, you know, I guess they're staring at each other. You can kind of envision this, you know, this scene of, you know, sort of a face off, if you will. Mine manager, you know, starts breaking out in a sweat, maybe, a, you know, a drop of sweat, you know, drips off his nose onto his desk. He can't help himself. And he picks up the mind phone and says, you know, the fox is in the hen house. The fox, is in the <laughs> you know, calls underground and lets uh -huh. him know, right? So that was um, a pretty clear example of advance notice. And so I'm sure, of course, you know, issues the citation for advance notice there. But you're right. It becomes more complex, for example, if you have, you know, a large surface mine right? Maybe you have a guard shack and you have to check into the guard shack because you're exactly right. You do not want, you know, unknown visitors on your mine site where you have large pieces of mining equipment operating. And then suddenly you, you're introducing this foreign element into a traffic pattern, for example, mm -hmm. you need to know who's on the mine site, right? Right. So then the question then became, well, you know, can you require him to check in at the guard shack? And if so, what can the guard shack say? You know, can, what can the dispatch operator say, indicating okay, you know, maybe the safety manager has visitors 
or the safety manager needs to be, you know, meet someone in their office. You know, can you say things like that? To your point, you know, get a company representative involved with, with the MSHA inspectors. And then certainly if there's minors reps, right? Do you have that right um, to call for a minors rep? And then suddenly you have a number of people and then you need an escort, you need a vehicle, right? How do you, how do you arrange those logistics? Um, and at what point does that become, you know, simply arranging logistics or does it change over into something more like advanced notice? Um, so, yeah, I mean, those have all been, you know, the typical questions, the typical scenarios that we see. And I think, you know, maybe perhaps on, on one hand, right, this Ken American case has kind of illuminated some of these issues, but maybe the Sixth Circuit, you know, um, upholding the Review Commission decision, and, and we'll talk about all this in just a second, right, but um, it, it, it may be troubling, right, that you don't have to show intent to provide advance notice of MSHA inspection activity. So I think that's where the confusion is going to be, right, mm -hmm. going forward is, um, you know, how do you make these logistical arrangements and not say the word MSHA, right? You're right. Mm -hmm. like, can you say MSHA? Well, maybe not. So, you know, you're just making these arrangements in a vacuum. And then, you know, human nature being what it is, I assume folks would understand what's going on anyway, right? But I guess as long as you're not saying the, the magic words, then maybe it's not advanced notice. Yeah. So, you know, we've been sort of nibbling around the edge of this cookie, right? But Arthur, what are we talking about when we're talking about this Ken American case? Yeah, so, um, you know, one, one last thing I'll just say on advanced notice generally is, you know, the, the intent of the, of the provision is that, you know, MSHA does not want mine operators covering up violations. You know, if you know it, that's the theory, that if, 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 if it's known that MSHA is on site, would steps be taken to cover up? Um, you know, what otherwise would be cited by MSHA, um, you know, and, and, and that's where MSHA is coming from. I mean, I guess the, the counterpoint to that as well, if you're getting them, if you're getting conditions corrected, what's the harm in that? But that's a debate for another day. But in Ken America, it kind of illuminated all of these issues. This is this case involved a, a large underground coal mine. It had two portals. There was a, a hazard complaint called in. And, and MSHA sent six inspectors and they divided up between the two portals. So they go to one of the portals and this is mid shift, right? So a lot of times MSHA shows up on the regular inspections at the beginning of the shift, but not, not in this case. In this case, it, it happens mid shift and the dispatcher needs to get a man trip, a vehicle for um, the inspectors and, and makes a call underground to have a man trip come up and he calls over a mine phone doesn't say what it's for. Somebody hears it. And we, we never know who this mystery person is. This, this person's the lynch, the linchpin to the whole case. And we don't even know who he or she is. Uh, this person's never named. Hears it and calls back over the mind phone and said, do we have company? And now there's a dispute whether the dispatcher responds, I don't know, or whether he said, yes, I think so. He testified, he said, I don't know. MSHA testified, he said, I think so. And MSHA hearing him say, I think so, um, concludes that that was advance notice, that the call about do we have company was code language for MSHA. And he responded affirmatively 
thereby telling miners underground that MSHA is here on the surface. Well, the administrative law judge in the case, Judge Gill, um, who I tried a case before and was just an absolute pleasure to try a case before and sadly passed away a couple of years ago, but um, just a, a terrific judge, um, actually disagreed with MSHA. And he said, no. First of all, he credited the dispatcher uh, in saying, um, I don't know. So there was no actual affirmative communication that MSHA was present. And furthermore, what Judge Gill reasoned was that um, you know, there was no intent um, by the dispatcher's comment to convey any uh, advance notice. I mean, you know, he wasn't intending to tell anybody, hey, MSHA's here, go, go hide violations. Right? No, there was none of that going on. And furthermore, Judge Gill found there was no effect um, that the communication was this sort of innocuous one-off type of a thing. And there was no evidence that, that anybody had actually taken the information, done anything with it, anything of that nature. And in fact, Judge Gill's decision followed on a decision by Judge Moran in um, uh, uh, 2014, a, a company called Portable, uh, where something similar happened, where, where a call was made to, to secure a company escort. Um, and it was mentioned that it was for MSHA. And MSHA said that this was advance notice. And Judge Moran in that decision said no. He said that was not to provide advance notice. It was to secure company escorts. And again, there was no evidence of any effect of, of alerting anyone to MSHA. So, you know, I'm reading these two administrative law judge decisions and I'm like, well, this, this is, these are good developments, right? You know, there's some clarity that this really is geared towards intent and effect and not just, you know, certain, you know, singular comments or, or, or things of that nature. Well, uh, MSHA uh, loses before the judge. So they take the case up before the review commission and uh, the review commission uh, reversed reverse the judge. And the first thing the review commission did um, is sort of a, um, an unusual thing for the review commission. They reversed Judge Gill's credibility determination, which is very rare. And they said that the evidence showed that the dispatcher did not say, I don't know, but he actually said, yes, there is, or I think so, or whatever the affirmative mm -hmm. statement was. And the review commission said that that in and of itself was a violation of advance notice and um, intent did not matter. Uh, effect did not matter. Um, and pretty much uh, just wholly rejected uh, Judge Gill's reading of the advance notice provision and application to that case, which, is, which was unfortunate. Um, so the company then uh, is on the losing end and they take it up to the sixth circuit court of appeals. And Chris, why don't you pick up the story from there? That's one step below the Supreme court. What's the sixth circuit tell us? <laughs> so with the sixth circuit court of appeals, Ken American basically, um, so they appeal the review commission's decision, right? And the, and the main issue is this whole intent um, <clears throat> argument that the commission basically reached and saying, you don't have to show intent. But under the Sixth Circuit, right, they argued a couple of, you know, statutory uh, interpretations. And so the first one was basically the advance notice prohibition doesn't apply to operators, right? They're saying it only applies 
to representatives of the secretary, right? So the plain language of section 103A indicates that when carrying out these activities, these inspection activities, right? No advance notice shall be given. And so when they're looking at that language of 103A, they're arguing, well, that seems to apply to representatives of the secretary, right? Because 103A in, in a nutshell basically provides the ability for these inspectors to conduct inspections. And so they're saying, you know, okay, so that does not include operators. Um, Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals takes a look at that and basically rejects that argument and says, um, you know, they point out to the provisions under Section 110 of the Mine Act saying, um, you know, it would be inconsistent, that interpretation of Section 103A would be inconsistent with the sections under 110 that provide for penalties um, for essentially agents of the operator, but for persons, um, you know, violating certain provisions of the Mine Act, right? Um, so they basically said, read in conjunction, so in totality of circumstances kind of deal, right? But in, ter in terms of statutory construction, looking at the statute as a whole, they thought that interpretation would be inconsistent with the protective purposes of the Mine Act. So they rejected that argument and basically says, no, advance notice uh, prohibition does apply to operators, okay? Um, Ken American then argues that any sort of statement, so even if assuming, right, this communication between, as Arthur described, between dispatch and the miner underground, assuming that alerted folks that MSHA was on uh, mine property, right, that statement in and of itself was not a violation of 103, so it did not provide advance notice of impending inspection activity, right? Because all in theory, all that they would have been saying over that dispatch, over the mine phone, was that MSHA was on the property. Okay, nobody knows why, nobody knows where they're going. Okay, um, so that communication in and of itself does not show impending inspection activity, right? Uh, <laughs> Sixth Circuit also rejects that argument, basically saying, nope, it's enough. To understand, you know, MSHA is there to perform inspections, and if you alert folks that MSHA is on the mine site, it is not a stretch to assume or to imagine that, you know, some form of advance notice is being given. And to Arthur's point, right, what is the purpose of 103A and the prohibition on advance notice in the first place? It is to prevent mine operators, right, from the ability from having the ability to change or correct conditions on the mine and certainly underground before MSHA is able to observe those conditions, right? And so they're saying, okay, because of this purpose, right, of the advance notice prohibition, they're going to interpret this very broadly and basically, right, so again, kind of going to the whole intent issue, because if you're saying MSHA's there, you know, that would allow operators, you know, in theory to, you know, suddenly hang ventilation curtains, ventilation controls, clean up accumulations, you know, so on and so forth, right? Change conditions before an MSHA inspector can observe them. So they rejected that argument saying, okay, again, basically no intent, right? To give advance notice of an inspection is required, right? Under, under this prohibition of advance notice. And then finally, and I thought this was kind of clever, right? That Ken American argues 
that Section 103A violates the First Amendment, right? Like they have the ability to, you know, say what they want at their business. And if they happen to talk about MSHA, so be it, right? Um, in a nutshell, right? I mean, that's obviously more complex than that. But essentially, the Sixth Circuit rejects that argument saying, nope, no violation of your First Amendment rights. Um, because basically, right, this, this sort of narrowly tailored, this is what, you know, the courts have been calling this, like this narrowly tailored exception for advance notice restricting any sort of free speech um, only serves the purpose of these, um, you know, free inspections. When I say free inspections, right, these inspections of mine conditions unaltered, right, from when they had existed while the mine was operating. So because of this specific purpose, right, um, and it is narrowly tailored, right, this is sort of, you know, going back to constitutional law uh, concepts, um, basically, you know, because of the purpose of advanced notice, um, there was no violation of the First Amendment rule. So in a nutshell, right, that's kind of what we're left with. And so the Sixth Circuit affirms the Review Commission's decision, and here we are today. Now, I would point out, I thought it was interesting. And so basically, in the last paragraph of the Sixth Circuit's decision, they do say that 103A prohibits communication to provide advance notice right, of an MSHA inspection. But it does not bar all communication about MSHA right, or prevent discussion of MSHA inspections after they have occurred. So perhaps that gives us a little bit of a framework <laughs> for going forward. Arthur, in your mind, well, first, did I miss anything significant in the Sixth Circuit decision? And then second, going forward, you know, with these sort of guidelines from the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, what do you think um, that means for operators going forward? No, I mean, I think you, you nailed it, Chris. I mean, it basically, um, you know, intent doesn't matter. If, if it's advance notice, it's advance notice. And then the effect piece doesn't matter either. Um, so what I think this means going forward, you know, it's sort of one of those everything old is new again. I, I do think, you know, advance notice was the big topic oh, about six, seven years ago. Um, and I, with there being a circuit court decision, it would not surprise me to see it become a topic uh, or a focal point of MSHA again, especially with MSHA getting the favorable decision. But I do think the qualifications to it that you raised are also important because, you know, the, the, mine, the, the mine Act does provide the operator and the miners with the opportunity to have an escort present. And so I think that's where the rub is. You know, if, the, if, if MSHA shows up, mine operators need to be able to obtain personnel to be company escorts and miners representatives if miners reps are designated uh -huh. at that particular mine and yeah. so calls will need to be made but i think care needs to be taken operators will have to take care not to announce that it's for msha so if you call you know you know that chris is going to be the company escort hey chris i need you in the office that should be fine yeah um hey chris i need you in the office be because MSHA's here is probably not going to be fine. Now, I have had instances in the past back when 
you know, advance notice was, was a hot topic where somebody would make the call, hey, Chris, I need you in the office. And the inspector would say, wait, 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 that's advance notice. In my view, no, it's not. And that's where it's incumbent upon whoever is dealing with the situation for the operator to, to navigate that. And I think they have to know that they do have those company escort rights. And you can, if that were to happen, my advice would be to turn to the inspector and say, look, we are asserting our company escort rights, which we are provided under the Mine Act. Yeah. I need to get Chris here to be the escort. What can I say? If you're, if you're telling me I can't call him, what can I say? And frankly, if the inspector says you can't call him at all, now that inspector has violated the escort right provision. And there's case law on that. That could be a topic for another podcast. <laughs> um, so, but the, the takeaway though, is I think is that we really need to train our personnel who deal with MSHA on the front lines about these developments, what they can say, what they can't say, because they're the ones, just like this poor dispatcher in Ken American, who I don't think ever intended to commit any violation. He got caught in a situation. They're the ones that have to deal with it. It's not the lawyers down the road. It's not the judges down the road. It's those frontline people. So I think we need to make sure they're up to speed on the law and if they're and to talk through the scenarios with them to make sure they're comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And in fact, looking at MSHA's program policy manual um, basically outlines, you know, what you've mentioned here, Arthur, right? So uh, the, the program policy manual, the PPM, right, notes that there are some limited occasions when advance notice is contemplated by the Mine Act. Mm -hmm. So this is provisions of the Mine Act, right? And then so this is what Arthur has been talking about that allow for some discussion Right, of MSHA activity on a mine once they get to the mine. So the first example they give is reporting imminent dangers. Mm -hmm. So, and, and they go on to explain, so for example, if a representative of miners has called in an imminent danger, reported this to MSHA, MSHA can call the mine and say, hey, we're headed out to look at this imminent danger. But if it exists, you need to go ahead and abate it, right? Take action to eliminate this imminent danger. So if you remember what an imminent danger is, right, it's a condition or practice um, that can cause serious bodily harm or fatality, you know, or death, right, before it can be corrected. So it's something that you would want to eliminate immediately. Um, so that type of advance notice apparently is fine, right, MSHA calling out to a mine and saying, hey, you do this, okay, we're on our way out. Um, number two, it says you can make arrangements for inspection. So like Arthur has said under 103G, the um, the company, or no, 103F, right? The company uh, rights for um, individuals, operators, you know, and miners reps to accompany an MSHA inspector and inspectors on their inspections. So you can make arrangements for those. It also says it does not apply to special investigations activity. Um, so if you have a special investigator and he says, or she, right, says, I'll be out here on Tuesday, to conduct interviews, well, that's not advanced notice of inspection activity. I guess that's considered a separate deal, right? Since it's mm -hmm. inspection activity. And then uh, we've got these questions. Can an inspector provide advanced notice in terms of terminating a citation? I'll be out here tomorrow to terminate this. 
or when do you, how long do you think you need? Okay, three days. All right, I'll be out here next Wednesday to terminate this citation. Right. Um, so apparently that does not violate the advanced notice rule. So then we have this Sixth Circuit case, right? So, you know, I think we're probably still consistent, right? With the exceptions that Arthur's noted, what this PPM has said. But yeah, we'll see if that prompts some sort of, you know, policy guidance or reminder uh, from MSHA, right? In terms of what their interpretation of advanced notice is now. Um, but certainly with this decision, I think it's going to be on MSHA's radar. So just be aware of that. And I think Arthur makes a really good point. When in doubt, right? If you're calling for arrangements, you can ask the inspector, hey, is that all right? Right. I mean, obviously, they're going to have to agree with you because of the provisions of, you know, the company rights. Right. But then um, I had a case come up, for example, where a, a dispatcher was calling underground. Calling for a man trip and then when in doubt, she turned to the MSHA inspector and says, well, what can I say? That's the right? best I, say, I need a man trip. Yeah. What do you need it for? She turns to the MSHA inspector. What can I say? And the MSHA inspector tells her say you can't say so like <laughs> i can't say <laughs> right so you know i mean i guess at the end of the day right you take the steps you, you try to not to run afoul of mm -hmm. advanced notice when making these sorts of logistical arrangements you do the best that you can but i think educating those frontline supervisors and dispatchers you know about this rule about this issue is probably best practice yeah yeah, and just to, to, you know, I think that's certainly best practice, but just to kind of put, put a little bow on this, um, you know, what's the consequence? I mean, other, you know, the, the, there are some potentially serious consequences if we run afoul of this. You know, obviously there can be a 104A citation, which is what happened in Ken American, but there are, you know, this can trigger a special investigation. Uh, allegations of advance notice can trigger a special investigation for potential individual penalties under section 110. And there is a criminal provision as well, you know, yeah. and while that's rare, um, you know, I think we should know that, that, you know, this, this is serious stuff. And so we want to make sure we're on the right side of it. And, and the goalposts seem to move, right, as these cases are decided. So we want to make sure that the folks are up to speed on what, what the current state of the law is and what they need to do to comply. Cause that's all what just about everybody wants to do is, is make sure they're complying and they don't run into problems. Um, so with that, I think we've uh, had a good discussion of this. Certainly if there's any questions on this case, you know, obviously reach out to Chris or I, um, but you know, this is what we hope to do with this podcast. You know, this decision comes down from the uh, Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals a couple weeks ago. We want to highlight it, bring it to you, and um, tell you uh, what we think it means for the industry. So, uh, Chris, with that, any any final thoughts as we wrap this one up? No, I think it's been good. You know, I think um, you know, kind of staying on top of these developments. Yeah, that's kind of what the podcast is all about. So. And then certainly if there are topics or questions you all would like to hear in terms of uh, being the subject of a podcast episode, yeah, don't, don't be afraid to reach out, you know, shoot us a quick email. Um, and I think that'd be great, you know, to kind of get some more engagement with the community and, and our listeners. So um, yeah, with that, I think we're, we're going to ready to wrap up. 
Absolutely. And appreciate all our loyal listeners out there. We, we know you're out there because we've heard from you and uh, glad you're enjoying the podcast. Yeah, for sure. Hope everyone has a great beginning to the summer. Stay safe. We'll be talking to you soon. All right. Thanks, everybody. This podcast provides an overview of a specific developing situation. It is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal advice for any particular fact situation.